Modern airline retailing is undergoing a profound transformation, shedding up decades-old legacy systems and processes to focus on true customer centricity, offering personalized value-added experiences while abstracting away the complexities of the technology transition. Airlines are gearing up to provide seamless, dynamic retailing by investing in customer-centric solutions that enhance the entire travel journey, making it more enjoyable and efficient. Take 24 minutes to get deep insight for your digital strategy with Branch Space Management Team, our CEO, Ursula Silling, our CTO, David Turton, and our Director of Digital Solutions and Consulting, Radu Iliescu, directly from Oxford Street in London, at the heart of modern retailing. Let's talk about the modern airline retailing. Everyone talks about it. Ayata has this consortium of, I think it's 10 airlines. Um, I think for many airlines, the question is what is really even behind and what should we, which direction should we take? How would you explain modern retailing? What does it entail? It, it's, it's actually not one single thing. I think it is a combination of different things. And from my perspective, looking more at the enabling like foundational technologies that are used for offer and order management, I'm afraid it, it's actually going to be a bit of a negative definition because the fundamental thing about modern retailing is about abandoning a lot of outdated practices and technologies of the past. It is essentially dealing with the mother of all technical debts that I've ever seen in any industry. And I used to work in banking, which is not exactly in, in, if you work in a large retail bank. Those are not exactly famous for being the most cutting-edge uh, technology innovators either. But even compared to banking, I think airlines uh, are in a special situation because we have airlines are still fundamentally using the same software architecture, entities, and concepts, which have been as as a technology and software architecture they've been established in the late 50s, early 60s, and haven't changed fundamentally since then. They've been well. The, the software, the code has been rewritten several times over. It, it's where, yeah. For some of the vendors it has, for others, uh, like Sabre, it's still happening. Um, and the, the hardware infrastructure has changed, obviously. We are no longer running on mainframe systems, but uh, there are massive solutions out there which are being emulated on x86 architecture, even though the, the software is still essentially mainframe software. As strange as all this sounds, to be essentially be running on software architected 70 years ago, that's the 60 to 70 years ago, that's the reality of our industry. Uh, and that's not the end of the story. Besides this incredible amount of technical debt, like six decades worth of technical debt, on top of that we have probably about a century's worth of business process debt, if I can call it that. Because one of the one of the problems with our industry is that even when 
we've had the opportunity to refactor and rethink the business process to take advantage of the new technologies available, we haven't really done that. What we have done was to remodel the same business process into a new technology, based on a new technology. And I can, I can give some very concrete examples. For example, the concept of working class or RBB is a concept that, frankly, I don't think there was any technical necessity for it to exist in the first place once we have moved to uh, electronic distribution and reservation systems 60, 65 years ago. Uh, the reason why they exist, and by the way, the, the same thing can be said about tickets, the same thing can be said about filed fares, atypical filed fares. There are a lot of such concepts which are actually uh, remnants of a business process which was designed in the early 20th century for purely physical distribution processes over the phone and uh, in person. They were not designed for electronic systems. They were designed for physical human-driven systems or processes. Um, and well, we could argue that stupidly we have missed the opportunity to transform these processes themselves when we had a chance. So what we are doing now and what we should be doing now for the first time probably, properly, is at the same time to transform the technology, but also to rethink the end-to-end -end business process in order to take advantage of the benefits that the new technologies are delivering. And the technologies that here are not, the technology itself is not transformational. The technologies that we are moving on to, towards now in offer and order management are technologies which largely are actually already out, outdated by the pure tech industry standards. Right? NDC is still using XML, while today's world, the vast majority of APIs have abandoned SOAP architecture and XML. What is your take on modern retailing? Um, well, it's interesting to listen to, right? I guess ask, ask a technologist about <clears throat> modern retailing, and uh, I guess there's so much focus that needs to go into how you enable modern retailing through through technology. And as Radu says, there's just so much technical debt to deal with. For me, and also a technologist, modern retailing. I don't think it's a sophisticated definition. It's, you know, you need to be able to inspire customers to interact with your brand. You need to make it easy for them to choose and buy the products that you're offering. And once you've done that, you need to make it easy for them to, to use that product, right? So uh, I guess the fulfillment part of the, the interaction. Why it's so interesting for airlines is the but the buying of products, it's, it's a difficult challenge. Products, airline products are difficult. Uh, they're complicated. Um, <clears throat> it's not, not the same as buying a pair of shoes. And the second part is the fulfillment. So you're, <clears throat> you're buying a product that is very, very difficult to, to serve. You know, get someone through an airport, onto a flight, through the flight, to the, to the other end, and then get them back again afterwards. It's a very, very difficult set of customer interactions. So, that means when it comes to you know, what we do at BrandSpace, the digital part of that, it's a very, very, very difficult challenge to do to do well. Um, I think, and when you start to break it down and talk to different airlines about what, what this challenge means for them, it tends to be 
there are some common elements, but it tends to be different answers with those different customers based on the big things that they think they need to do to compete and to deal with their customers. You know, some we work with some airlines today who are you know, they're very focused on a lot of things, but one of them happens to be online performance. So things like raw response times just have to be improved very, very significantly. For other airlines, um, it's it's important, but it's not discussed. It's not focused on. <clears throat> Have a, a, another customer where post sales services is key. So you know we need to be able to merchandise to customers who maybe have a flight booking and now want to uh, you know, buy more products as part of their their flight journey. So you start to break it down into these kind of hundreds and hundreds of different elements you need to do to serve your customers very well, and it becomes for the airline and for the technology stack quite a, an interesting challenge to solve. Um, so I think key to, key to all of this is, in terms of the technology, to Roger's point, it's, it's to be able to deal with this tech debt or abstract it away or sit on top of it, which is what we do with our AAA platform, uh, try and abstract away that complexity and provides the flexibility and tools that airlines need to do a lot of these different things and to optimize them um, in very, very short time frames. So having having a, you know, a lightweight technology platform, a lightweight digital platform that can do this, it can be extended, um, it can be built in such a way where it's end-to-end, it's -end. they can deliver the entire customer experience so that you don't have to bring together a hodgepodge of lots of different uh, kind of customer experience platforms. I think, uh, yeah, for me, that, that's one answer about what, what, what airline retailing and digital retailing is all about. For me, it's also, I'd summarize it in, in uh, two words. It's really being able to have true customer centricity to really focus on your customers, uh, which I've always been driving to think about customers and to, but the problem is that because of this legacy technology and the processes behind, uh, the customer didn't really appear in all of this because it was just about how do you assign a seat to a booking kind of um, and the, the insight even didn't exist and I think now airlines finally have realized that they need to have the direct relationship, they need to start to think customer, um, uh, which then automatically leads to questions, so how do I personalize the offers now? How do I do what ultimately retailers, like uh, yesterday we talked about Spotify, how much they are really personalizing actually your experience. Uh, Google, uh, Facebook or retailers like IKEA who give you all of this flexibility, this uh, modularity of that you can actually pull together your piece of furniture the way you want it. And that's what customers also get used to and won't accept anymore to be different. So, and the one big problem behind was always this big monolithic PSS um, as a system, but also as companies and I think the whole thinking in the airline around is that everyone was immediately thinking when there was this, an innovative idea, how do you do something? But it will not be possible, we cannot do it. And so when I look at AAA, actually even today, 
modern airline retailing is already possible because this dynamic personalized proposition can already be done. It's also very useful to think about these kind of micro moments, customer experience challenges that are smaller than you know the big things like how, how do you present your flight products the flight shopping screen needs to do that well yes but uh, travelers tend to take away different things as part of the, the kind of travel experience like we've talked recently at branch spaces about examples like um, so Lufthansa with the boarding pass when your gate is assigned or there's a time change and you bring up your your iPhone uh, wallet boarding pass there'll be a little circle around the part of that boarding pass that has actually changed. And I experienced that last week, traveling to Krakow. It was such a small thing, but so so critical for me at that point in time, I just knew exactly what my gate was and it was clear and I could just move on. Uh, also, you mentioned, and I've experienced too, something, you know, that EasyJet has been doing for a while within their app. So, you, you know, once you have a, a trip and you're waiting at an airport in a a foreign location you can actually see when your where your flight is at that particular point in time visually on a, on a flight tracking display so you can you get confidence that when the time on the board is saying this flight is leaving in two hours you can see while well, the plane appears to be around one and a half hours late this is actually real you know so small thing small thing but you, you see it when you see it you really take that away with you as a as a traveler and you feel that was really a, a great great customer experience yeah. and you have this peace of mind because you can actually judge yes it will be on time it will be here soon or even if there is a delay you feel actually you've got this information you can control it exactly it gives you a sense of control yes and reliability yeah and predictability yeah we are now at, a, at an inflection point in the industry because until very recently and actually still today the, all the constraints of these legacy technologies and business processes have forced us to become artists of the possible, in a way. We've spent so much energy and thinking and money, ultimately, on trying to work around the constraints of the of all the... And like they were saying, we've been working so hard to abstract away the constraints and the the dark side of the te legacy technology stack and frankly I think actually as an industry we've done an incredible job of that if you look at how the architecture is designed to work for distribution for example for price distribution uh, and the fact that through this architecture we've actually ma made it possible to distribute continuous pricing which is at the very opposite end of what the process and the technology was initially designed to do. Because the, the, the process was designed to distribute discrete prices based on availability bucketed into RBDs, into nested booking classes. And from that, from there, we've actually managed to get to the point where we can have a, a perfectly continuous price distributed at least over direct channels which I find actually quite, quite something. But the reality is that we've, we've had to invest so much effort, so much thinking, so much time into building layers upon layers upon layers that hid away all the ugly side of that. Now we are finally at a point where we can start forgetting about all that, rebuild from scratch. And I think that's a great opportunity that uh, the transition to 
through what I call true offer and order management systems is going to bring about. And then we can start thinking more about the really added, the real added value features that you can bring through the experience, for example. Not having to spend all your mental space, uh, and I'm not talking about an individual's mental space, I mean, organizational mental space, all the focus that an airline's digital team has to invest into keeping things working and keeping all this nasty plumbing together. We should, that's not how we should be spending our time. And hopefully, in three, four years from now, that's not how we are going to spend our time anymore. It should be value X. Uh, and would you say identity PSS could be gone completely? Absolutely. It's, I think the writing is now on the wall. How long it's going to take, that's a bit harder to predict. I would, for sure, not, it's not going to be enough. Even for, at least for those airlines which come with a lot of baggage, like the full service uh, carriers who have been around for decades and have a myriad, a whole ecosystem, IT ecosystem built around and on top of the legacy PSS, for these airlines, it's going to take probably another five to ten years, I would say, to get completely rid of the legacy PSS. But it is certainly coming. Uh, it's only a matter of managing this transition in a manner which is not too destabilizing. Because one thing that we can't afford doing is, because the airline industry is so interconnected, the distribution chain is so interlocked between the airlines, other the travel agents, the travel management companies, other distribution partners like other airlines which are interline and co-chair partners, you can't afford breaking this stuff and um, a lot of what I think will, uh, the, the larger carriers especially and the more advanced ones will be focusing on in the next two, three years, will be defining the transition roadmap uh, for moving away from the legacy PSS with a, with a view to completely decommissioning it in something like six, eight, ten years, uh, but without breaking everything at the same time, without bringing things to a standstill, because for example, the GDS stops working. Mm. If I just think about this horizon, three years already, five years, ten years ahead, the world will be again completely different if I look at the pace, how things are moving. So I think airlines can't really to afford to now just have big project teams focusing on this and missing out on, you mentioned earlier on, their current process orientation. It's also the mindset of the people. And you don't change it just by implementing new technology. There's even a risk by focusing on this project probably that there will be more standstill. What should they do? in the meantime, in order to already progress in that direction. So coming back to your point about value-add, what we should be looking at is value-add. All this plumbing in the background, this should not be our objective in life. Right? <clears throat> I think the right approach is already start focusing now on the value-add features, like improving, dramatically improving and transforming the experience. But <clears throat> this is obviously a significant investment, and it's not only an investment, technology like you said so like an investment in the people it's an investment in your digital team ways of working processes methodologies and so on and so forth and what one thing that you don't want to do is do this now invest millions to tens of millions or like hundreds of millions in building a new and then in two three years when 
the transition to open and order starts materializing, you have to throw everything out the window and start mm -hmm. again. But fortunately, there is uh, an answer to that, and it's not a very complex answer. O o what you need to have is the possibility to abstract the transition to offer and order from the upper layers of the tech stack, from the digital channels, basically. And this is something that uh, in the tech industry we, we are used to doing. That's what a middleware or abstraction layer is about, and it's eminently achievable. Uh, you need a good, and I'm not probably even though you are in a better position than that. But all you need is a good abstraction layer between the offer and order management system underneath. And when I say offer and order management system, I'm not only referring to the future through offer and order, but also to the legacy one. You need something that sits on top of today, in today's world would be a PSS or a legacy entity-based uh, e-commerce platform and the digital channel itself. And then when the time comes to move away from the legacy stack towards the new offer and order stack, your abstraction layer will protect you and abstract the transition from you. And I think that's exactly what we're aiming to do with uh, exactly. So I completely agree, and that, that's a large part of the investment that we make in, in Triplake. Um, and look, to, to date, it's interesting. We, we've integrated into legacy PSS tech stacks through old interfaces. We've, we've integrated into several different uh, versions of NDC, so sitting on top of uh, more modern tech stacks. We've integrated into you know, now some of the legacy PSS providers are creating more modern APIs uh, for uh, digital experience solutions like ours to interact with. So we, we've done all of these things. We have that abstraction layer. And like you say, Radu, it now, now makes it easier uh, for airlines, for our customers, to be able to change the plumbing underneath without, without having to change the entire ecosystem. But what I, think what I find interesting is this this move to NDC and changing some of the plumbing underneath. I'm not, I'm not sure it changes much the challenges for uh, the digital experience. Um, you know, how do you present products in the right possible way? How do you make sure that customers are very well, when something is happening during their journey, that they are very well serviced, they get the right messaging, they can see the right things. I, I get the sense changing the plumbing, yes, it improves some things a little bit for, for us, but it's really about it's really about reducing the cost of the plumbing, right? So making the PSS where you have very limited choices into a commodity component, and so drastically reduce the cost. But it's and not increased flexibility. Increased but for for your online retailing, it's it's not going to. If that's still a very difficult challenge. You still need the right solutions and thinking in place to, to present your product, to fulfill your product, and do that in a very, very uh, customer-oriented customer -oriented way. So for me, the takeaway is actually, I would start in that way, in any case, and probably if, if a smaller or medium-sized airline not even yet think too much about the move to offer order, but maybe watch a bit how this evolves. And I would rather start with triple and um, get already my team to work on experimenting, optimizing what is really retailing and going through that mindset change 
um, which will actually then make it much easier with the evolution. And afterwards, what changes in the background could be done step by step. And from the customer perspective, the experience remains a seamless end-to-end -end one. And maybe there will be some more capabilities which can be implemented more easily afterwards uh, with the evolution. Um, but that could probably be the more um, kind of value-add approach because you can really benefit from dynamic retailing, from modern retailing immediately. At BranchSpots, we are a passionate team with deep cross-functional experience in airline and travel tech, travel retail and end-to-end -end customer experience. We offer Transform Consulting Services and Triplake, our best-in-class digital commerce platform. With Triplake, we deploy the latest technology and retail thinking and make it easy for you to drive personalized end-to-end -end experiences for your customers and meet your revenue goals. We are an IATA strategic partner for digital innovation to drive together the future of travel. We have been a long-term trusted partner for LH Group, IAG, AGN, TAP, Air Malta and more. Visit branchspace.com to learn how we turn the current challenges airlines are facing in the digital world into opportunities.